So, four monks were meditating. All of a sudden, a prayer flag started flapping in the wind. The first, the youngest of the monks, said, flag is flapping. A more experienced monk said, wind is flapping. A third monk, who had been there for more than 20 years, said, mind is flapping. And the fourth monk, who was the eldest, said, mouths are flapping. So I guess that's uh, kind of a disclaimer here uh, of mouth flapping. So um, I know I'm just here to somehow... um, You know, it's such an incredible time in the retreat. This is one of the most wonderful still times, you know, uh, that you can, um, you know, you've been through a lot. And so, in some sense, uh, having really a deep respect uh, for where you are right now. And there is a process here of um, listening to Dharma talks, which is, you know, in some ways, I'm not linear, so you're not going to get anything like that. But um, there's a process of uh, just staying in your body, you know, the mind can stay there, and it doesn't have to listen to all of this. You know, there's so much going on inside you. You know, you may catch a thing, and you'll move off with it, and then you'll come back. You know, it's okay. You know, this is kind of a, it's a deep place at this time. You know. So just to uh, kind of review a little bit where we are, uh, is first of all just the mundane, uh, this wheel of dependent origination, this cyclic uh, truth that uh, we get caught. You know, and we get caught, and there's a grasping, and then attach and attachment, and then becoming again, and it keeps circling around. We don't get it. You know, we keep spinning off and around. And yet here in this uh, kind of uh, remarkable, remarkable place and time, uh, there is this uh, seeing how it works. You know, and uh, as I say, to, to actually move off that wheel, that mundane wheel of dependent origination into somewhat this transcendental uh, spiral. Uh, that first we have to acknowledge that, uh, you know, that wheel. And you know, you tell your stories over and over and you get caught, you let go, you come back, you kind of still yourself. You know, and you stay for a little while. And then you go off again. You know the routine, you know. But you begin to see how it works. No. And then at some point, of course, there is this uh, incredible, in a sense, it is a, a longing, a trust, a faith, a sense of confidence 
that you can trust a particular knowing or process that uh, you are engaged in here. It's wonderful. We have been sort of expounding on the um, these supporting factors of delight and joy, tranquility and happiness and concentration. And somewhat, they're not in that order, but these are the components. No. And they are really the fundamental about the quality of uh, stillness and the ability to actually go deep into what it is uh, that's uh, being looked at. Uh, last night, uh, Gil so beautifully uh, and simply explained that when we go into this vision and knowledge the way things are, you know, it is the, in a way, kind of the heart of seeing and that seeing is uh, so fundamental, you know. Uh, it is seeing. I, I love some of the language of the uh, this uh, what they call the four seals, and that um, all compounded things are fleeting. All compounded things are fleeting. All tainted states. All tainted states are painful. All phenomena is empty and devoid of self-entity. Devoid of self-entity. And nirvana is peace. Simple stuff, huh? So we come tonight uh, to uh, what is known as nibida which is, um, there's many translations of the word. Uh, we're using the translation of disenchantment. You know, that we began to, in a sense, this is, oh, by the way, good news, you know. Um, so just to begin with, um, because there is, a, in a sense, a progress of insight going on here. And uh, I'll, I'll go back. I remember this was 40 years ago. Uh, I was uh, I'd been sitting probably four years uh, intensive retreats, and I was in a retreat, and uh, I was young, and I very much liked the whole idea of um, there was uh, an attraction to the pleasantness. You know, I'd had a lot of complexity, so actually gaining somewhat uh, in uh, a steadiness of mind. Uh, gave me great delight, you know, and I was able to kind of rest in joy and and uh, a, a tremendous amount of tranquility and happiness uh, and concentration. I had wonderful teachers, uh, Anagurika Manindra, and uh, S.N. Goenka, who um, to this day, uh, it just totally delights me that uh, I had this time to uh, 
kind of be with them and and um and the thing was they were so inspired uh, by these teachings uh by the fact that um this was something that you know it had uh some degree of process as you are in this now you know and the thing was i've been sitting for some years so i will um qualify this and um but one of the things i didn't get uh was uh in a sense the kind of disenchantment there was an understanding there the intellectual understanding you know but i hadn't really got it in this this whole practice is that somehow we have to get this in our bones you know that somehow the mind has to kind of get a piece of it but i also understand that Uh, yes at the beginning there has to be some intellectual understanding of it but this practice uh is more than that you know that somehow it creates the conditions uh then in essence you stop in your tracks you know i I'm, i wanted to read this to you even though It's not exactly in uh what I'm it is exactly what I'm doing here but um it also uh, has to do with uh, maybe that person 40 years ago and the same person today you know and it's from David White it's um but your loss brought you here to walk under one name and one name only and to find the guise under which all loss can live remember you were given the name every day all along the way remembering you were greeting it as such and you needed no other name other people seemed to know you even before you gave up being a shadow on the road and came into the light even before you sat down with them broke bread and drank wiped the wind tears from your eyes pilgrim they called you again pilgrim you know so in a way this whole process is uh you know we're pilgrims sitting here and that uh to see into how this works ultimately you know the complexity of uh you know all phenomena is empty devoid of any self entity you know so we sit here and you've seen how complex uh all those things you make up about i me and mine this summer i was sitting a month long retreat and and i'm going to try to take this into uh a little bit out of the suttas but uh the last couple days of my month retreat i was up in ladakh and uh it's beautiful overlooking uh the indus valley and uh i um 
what uh, I find my solace. It's a desert, you know, and uh, high mountains with snow peaks, and um, uh, also uh, it's nice. I kind of get out of this cultural identity, you know. And uh, as you are here, out of your cultural identity, you know. And one night I kind of blew it, and I left my sandals outside. And they were, uh, they had, they were made, the tops were leather. So sometime before I got up, early in the morning in the dark, uh, one of the wild dogs came and took one of my sandals. And they uh, took off, and uh, um, and I had no idea where, but I knew where these wild dogs hung out, you know. And so uh, in the morning, I sat for a little while, and I was just so, you know, there was that part of the I me mind that somehow my sandals, you know. And so I took off, and. Um, I descended this uh, mountain down into where these rocks were, and there was a, like beautiful these uh, carved uh, rocks the locals had had, had um, painted or uh, carved in Omani Padme home in the rocks, and these wild dogs lived under the rocks in different places. I found one with at least fifteen shoes, <laughs> you know, and you know. I couldn't find my shoe, you know? And in great disappointment, and the other thing was interesting there is it's right by the um, charnel grounds. And Tibetans have a kind of tradition where they leave clothes from um, different people. So the dogs go and collect the clothes around there. So it's quite an interesting place, you know? <laughs> you know? Especially if you're being uh, self-righteous, you know, which I was. And uh, going back up the hill, then uh, I then had to re-enter uh, the practice, you know, and realize I had to wear boots, you know, or walk around with one sandal on, you know. But it really kind of titrates into this story of um, what we're doing, this uh, uh, truth of the, you know, uh, nibida, uh, which is disenchantment, you know. And one of the descriptions in the sutta is a dog who finds uh, a bone out in the desert that is sun bleached, and the dog goes and takes it, and he goes off and uh, he chews on it, just like a dog would do, and he kept chewing. But at some point, you know, he gets it. And it's really what Nabida is. We get it. There's no meat on the bone. Right? There's no meat on the bone. And that, in essence, uh, what we've come to is when we start seeing into, in essence, these uh, simple truths, you know, these senses, seeing and hearing and tasting and smelling and uh, uh, thinking, you know. 
Are they what they seem? No. Or are they just part of this fleeting process? It took me a while in uh, this retreat, this month long. I probably was three quarters of the way through the month long. And uh, I had some fundamental understanding uh, of uh, these you know, characteristics uh, about the self and uh, getting that, you know, all tainted states were painful and all conditioned things are fleeting, are part of this incredible vanishing that's happening here, you know? Uh, It's always arising and it's always passing, you know? And that somehow our attachment That somehow there's some kind of uh, hope, you know. And at some point, it was recognizing, oh, you know, I was attached to hope, even though I knew better, you know, for better, whatever, you know. But there was this kind of soberness that came over me, that recognized that, you know, if the world is so fleeting. No. And that uh, tainted states uh, arise due to causes and conditions. It's not really personal. And that the identity itself uh, is so seductive, you know, in its kind of uh, dualistic fashion, you know. Nibida, disenchantment. So, I always have to, uh, since I don't organize talks, I just kind of put stuff together to see if it comes out. It's sort of like, a, you know, um, I guess a, a cake, and you just kind of grab things off the shelf and throw it in and hope it works, you know? And um, that's the way it works. So, Nibida. So I write this stuff. Seeing how the still waters of a collected mind, knowing it only takes one moment, knowing it only takes one moment, seeing into this deep, deep well that registers these ancient truths enchantment, the sound of its own name, enchantment, registering this hidden voice with a flawed hope, world no longer appearing in its old way, the shadow of this truth creeping under the edge of my knowing. Your full presence has brought you to this cliff's edge. This full presence has brought you to this cliff's edge. 
things aren't what they seem, nor are they otherwise. You have seen the weariness and tedium of an inflated life. You have seen the weariness and tedium of an inflated life and the sobriety about the body, the world, the perceiver, your heart. Longing for stillness and a clear sense of freedom. You arrive not being fooled by your senses, but delighted in its vanishing stickiness and impersonal nature of it all. Surprised how the heart has steadied itself. No longer longing for anything. Freedom close at hand. Freedom close at hand. So this is a progression, you know, uh, that somehow uh, this enchantment with a world that, you know, uh, we all would like it to be a certain way. But uh, I hope you've noticed it doesn't happen that way. Uh, it's mysterious, you know. And we do understand that the conditions that are built here Uh, this is a phenomenal gift, you know, uh, where uh, the stability of each other, of the walking and the sitting, and seeing into the, uh, what is it, the constructions, you know, over and over again this, uh, the phenomenal world being empty and devoid of any self-entity. You know, sounds like a nice thing, huh? But so much of the time, you know, we kind of grab and somehow uh, we hope for a, you know, a better past. And, uh, you know, some future that can be controlled or known by us. Sorry. No go. No. And so there is this incredible sobering quality about freedom that says, oh, you know, um, Uh, we begin to see into, in a sense, it's kind of seeing into the, I like the word tedium, you know, uh, the repetition uh, that uh, somehow, uh, that we'll just try this one more story. We'll see how this one will, maybe it'll turn out all right. You know, just one more time. You know, 
it's not going to turn out. You know? Remember? The mundane wheel. You know, if there's birth, the 11th step, then there is old age. If you're lucky, illness and death. That's a lot of wonder to look forward to. You know? So get over yourself, you know? It's like, come on, you know? It's not going to work out. You know? You know? And I know you all have your dreams and hopes, but, you know, wonder if there was another way of dealing with this. And it's really, we're kind of in that process here. You know, and it's a way of clearly seeing through. You know. It's always interesting to me in the sense of um, how the mind, uh, it's always attracted to objects. Where there was the turkeys out there going through all their stuff. You know, the sound and the sight and all that. You know, it's very uh, compelling. Or the frogs, you know, you know, or your thoughts. You know. But to actually do this, to actually see through the whole process as in its truth, have to let all of that go. No. All the manufacturing. All the hope. No. And kind of rest in the way it is. No. And our work here is uh, pretty clear. You know? You're supposed to be doing this practice, but we know better. You know. You know. But seeing in the kind of that uh, entrancement, you know, enchantment, uh, we begin to wake up. You know, and to wake up is to actually let go of that enchantment. No. No. It's kind of naked, you know. It's just a person sitting on a zafu, you know, in their chair. Just a bump on a log. No. Thinning out, you know, through seeing the truth, thinning out this manufacturing that you're constantly becoming enamored and enchanted with. How many times? You know, I love one of Trumpa's statements, you know, was sometimes you just have to wear it all out 
like the soles of a shoe. You know, and so uh, there has to be some compassion for yourself. Because all we're really doing here, I wish it was just a Big Bang theory, Was that's what we're all doing here. But actually, uh, in the practice itself, it's a thinning, a thinning process where you thin the self. You know, I loved one of the descriptions. I This was in Bodhgaya. I was there doing a six-week retreat. Not maybe, not that long ago, maybe six, seven years ago now. A time, getting older. Six or seven years, no big deal. You know, and uh, the teacher uh, was teaching this Vipassana uh, Mahamudra retreat. And it was a, I just sat 10 days and I sat a month uh, in this retreat. And the teacher um, every morning he had this wonderful description and, you know, a lot of this practice and teachings, it's just repeating it. You know, repetition, it's how we kind of understand this, you know. It's so simple. And yet, you know, we have to see it from kind of the 10,000 angles sometimes. And he would say in the morning, he would say, you know, life is like grabbing the head of a snake and it bites you. And he said, oh, that's truly unpleasant. And then he said, oh, then there's pleasantness. That's grabbing the tail of the snake and it just bites you later. <laughs> you know, think about it. You know, It was great and how every morning, come, oh God, here we go again. You know, and yet, you know, it's one of these things we just, we, we're, we're kind of slow when it comes to this stuff. You have wonderful minds, but this stuff, you know, it's so simple. And it's really about, in a sense, it's, you can know this in language. You can know it in language. That's cool. But you don't get it. No. That's why you have to sit there. Sit and walk, sit and walk, sit and walk. You know, go to bed, eat, Sit and walk, sit and walk, sit and walk. Yeah. But there is, you know, what is it? The things begin to line up. You know, why is it called insight practice? You know. It is kind of a deep well. And we kind of sit on the edge of this deep well. We have to give up kind of our thinking and our belief in some kind of future or, uh, you know, patching up or figuring out some past. And we just sit on the edge of that well. You, know. you just wait. Just wait. You know, and I know you get so impatient, you know, and you get resistant with somehow that it should happen, you know, in time sooner. No, no dice. You know, 
You just have to sit and wait. No. But eventually, eventually, no. There is a instinctual, instinctual connection. No. And it goes from deep down and uh, it works its way up to the surface. No. There's a bit of danger in the sense that when it works its way up, is it immediately, no, uh, we have to be careful uh, because that works its way up and it comes into language and many times we want to say, oh, we got it, you know, and out of, I got it, then I create a belief system, you know, and I hope that, you know, through these talks and stuff that you see, it's not about that. You know, that somehow there is this sitting on that edge of the well, which is really a practice of uh, not knowing what's coming next. You know, so there has to be this openness and this curiosity and this questioning. You know. But not concretizing it or defining it, but simply kind of sitting there, staying, you know. And it's wonderful here because it simply will go deeper, you know. And sometimes I think, oh, uh, I don't understand it today. Maybe a whole two months or a whole month and I didn't understand it today. It's okay. Because there's something that's connecting, kind of below uh, that thinking and language and uh, conceptualizing. That is trustworthy. This is from the Vishuddhimaga. Mere suffering exists, but no suffer is found. The deed is, but no doer of the deed is there. Nirvana is, but not the man that enters it. The path is, but no traveler on it is seen. No traveler on it is seen. Very profound, you know. Tricky stuff, you know, from the rational mind. So, as Mary said, there's nothing to do, nothing to be, nowhere to go. 
and I'll add one this evening, and no experience to have of that. So, just sitting on your zafu. And it'll all be revealed. Your job is to know on some level when you lean, you lean towards something. That kind of subtle knowing that there's this wanting, you're no longer in your center. Go on. Or you sit in the center and, oh, no. You say no. You move away. You push away. And I hope you're getting that that kind of leaning forward or pushing away, that there's another place. No. In that place, is truly available in the here and now, in this place, this time. You work so hard. No. Just don't lean. Don't wobble. I think ultimately, in all of this, that when we see that the kind of tedium of of uh, our repetitions, you know, that we uh, actually stop. You know, we just kind of sit in that center, and hopefully, uh, what we're doing here is longer and longer, just kind of sitting in the center there. Nobody to be, nowhere to go, nothing to do, you know, and nothing to experience. You know, so that center point, we take the wanting of anything out of it, and yet, I have to say, you know, looking at this kind of process, the spiral here, that 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 is the disenchantment in some level, you know. And it seems somewhat sobering, uh, is a sign. You are on your way. You are on your way, you know. It's not a negative. from the New Yorker. It's called Beginning Again. If I could stop talking completely, cease talking for a year, I might begin to get well, he muttered. Off alone again, performing brain surgery on himself in the small, badly lit room with no mirror. 
a room whose floor and ceilings and walls are all mirrors. What a mess. Oh my God. And still it stands. The question, how to begin again? But rather, why? So we sit there. The mountain and me, Lipo said, until only the mountain remains. So, I'll read my Nibida, my disenchantment to you, to end. Seeing how the still waters of a collected mind, seeing how the still waters of a collected mind, knowing it only takes just one moment, seeing into the deep, deep well, registering these ancient truths. Enchantment, the sound of its own name, enchantment. Registering this hidden voice, a flawed hope. World no longer appearing in its old way the shadow of the truth creeping under the edge of your knowing. Your full presence has brought you to this cliff's edge. Things aren't what they seem, nor are they otherwise. You have seen the weariness and the tedium of an inflated life. You have seen the weariness and the tedium of an inflated life and the sobriety about the body, the world, the perceiver, your heart. Longing for stillness and a clear sense of freedom longing for stillness and a clear sense of freedom, you arrive not being fooled by your senses, but delighted in the vanishing, stickiness, and the impersonal nature of it all. Surprised how the heart has steadied itself no longer longing for anything. Freedom close at hand. Freedom close at hand. So let's just sit for a moment.
the attainment of enlightenment from ego's point of view is extreme death. The death of the self, the death of the me and mine, the death of the watcher. It is the ultimate and final disappointment. Chogyam Trumpa. Don't get lost. So, thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.